Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Dating apps have been adding more gender options, which is awesome, but it also feels like there are guys who are misusing the system so they can show up for women who wouldn't otherwise be them. Hi, I'm Madison Malone-Kircher. And I'm Rachel Hampton, and you're listening to ICYMI. In case you missed it, Slate's podcast about internet culture. <sighs> Rachel, I know I'm not supposed to have my phone on during a taping, but... Oh? But I have some exciting news for you that just broke on Twitter. Oh my god, tell me. And I know you don't have your phone because you're a better person than me. Um, yeah, it's on Do Not Disturb since the last time my phone rang during a taping. <laughs> Warp Tour's coming back. What? Yeah. What? You'll never guess who's headlining. Who? Is it all-time low? Is it... <laughs> My Chemical Romance, Fall Out Boy, Mayday Parade. I'm just going to play the clip for you. Okay, okay. I mean, I'll recognize the intro to Misery Business anywhere. Are you fucking kidding me? (laughs) In the year of our Lord and Savior, you rickrolled me? I can't help it. Chrising is the new Rick Rolling. Gen Z has reinvented Rick Rolling. Oh, they always do. Everything in the 90s comes back again. <laughs> All right. Number one, to be very clear, Warp Door isn't coming back. Sorry. Oh, uh, wow. My heart is broken right now. I'm going to go write a pop punk song about it. Mm. In case you don't know what Chrising is, it is the uh, latest in new online trends. Well, that phrase makes me sound old. People are posting TikToks <laughs> featuring wild and very obvious lies, usually celebrities. So like Jojo Siwa said she was leaving the internet and that one got me good. And then they <laughs> pivot to a music video of the ladies of the Kardashian-Jenner clan dancing to Lady Marmalade for a holiday card photo shoot in 2012. <sighs> that is a Mad Libs that I shouldn't be surprised makes sense. And yet every single day, I'm like, how much more crazy can the internet get? The thing is, I don't hate this video as much as I should. Oh, same. The thing about this music video is that much like the original Rick Astley music video, it's a time capsule. You look at this and you can immediately tell that you were not anywhere near 2022 because not only does Kylie have her original lips, but Chloe is at least two faces ago. And all of them are four butts ago. It's wild watching this. Plus, Kris Jenner is wearing this like garish green sequin top. No one has any rhythm. It It's very fun. I haven't hated having it pop up on my For You page. I mean, it's back when the Kardashians felt less fraught. Simpler times. Well, uh, speaking of both sequins and big groups of women, uh, it's Pride Month. Honestly, speaking of sequins and big groups of women, that kind of feels... It's June. It's here. Happy Pride. Sequins and women. (laughs) I I put out a call on Twitter asking our LGBTQ plus ICYMI guys, once again, guys, gender neutral term to tell us what they are up to online these days. What's good? What's bad? I'm assuming a lot is bad. Yeah, I mean, look, I did... I had high hopes. I was like, someone's going to bring us just a, a story of queer joy. I'm sorry, but JoJo Siwa already came out. There's nothing... There's, <laughs> there's nothing really left nothing left. <laughs> <laughs> and she got back together with her girlfriend. Oh. 
Jojo, we love you. We do. We also love our listener, Gigi. Uh, and Gigi has a wow. question that has long been burning in my brain about queer women looking to date other women on dating apps. This is a question about a problem I had truly hoped had resolved itself in the years since I have stopped using dating apps. And yes, that is a brag. And no, Rachel, you cannot be mad at me for talking about my long-term partner during Pride Month. July 1st is coming, though. I'm holding my singleness inside. (laughs) Here's Gigi. Hi, ICYMI. This is Gigi, and I have an internet question for you. So I'm on Bumble, and I currently have my settings to show me only non-men, but sometimes the algorithm still feeds me men's profiles, like guys with he, him, his in their bios. And I want to know what's up with that. Is this some sort of glitch in the app? Is this Bumble trying to force heterosexuality on me? Are there guys who are intentionally messing with their settings to try to bait queer women? Let me know. Thanks, and love the show. Those are some good-ass questions. They are. And they're not new ones either. They're questions that no one has ever really been ever to answer properly. And in an effort to figure this out, I talked to a bunch of queer people about their experiences on dating apps. And I even re-downloaded uh, <gasps> Bumble to try to talk to some of these men who keep appearing where they shouldn't be. How does Rebecca feel about this? <laughs> <laughs> That's my partner. I did text her being like, hey, I'm going back on Bumble for work this week. So inevitably... Because the queer community is very small, someone has certainly seen me in my travels. I also set my uh, my um, location parameters mm-hmm. at, like, the entire planet. Wow. <laughs> you got the full 100-mile radius yeah. that they allow you to do. I did. And I have learned a lot, very little, and I am even more frustrated than ever before with the state of dating apps for queer people. Wow, I can't wait to find out about the journey you went on. (laughs) Welcome to the world of heterosexual dating, baby. (laughs) We've got to take a quick break, but when we come back, we're going to hear from some of these women, discuss why it's so frustrating for queer women specifically to try and find love online. Not even love, just, you know, sex. (laughs) Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's, after a break. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7, U.S.-based, live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. All right, we are back. Madison, I have to ask as the resident straight, is this a thing? It is 120% a thing. So best, do you have a, a best guess for why this is happening? Okay, so I have long held an absolutely conspiracy level theory that this was straight men mucking around with their gender settings intentionally to get themselves in front of the eyeballs of queer women. 
I was going to say a conspiracy theory, you, and then you said that, and I was like, you know what? Is that even a conspiracy theory? I simply cannot overstate the number of straight men I have encountered in my admittedly not that long life who truly believe that being a queer woman is just having not met the right guy yet. It's just a temporary state, you know, Ooh. a phase. Okay, so that's one theory. My My slightly less conspiratorial and nefarious theory is that... Perhaps in setting up their dating profiles, these men did not read so carefully <laughs> and yeah. and chose settings they didn't intend to. Men not reading carefully? Again, neither of these feel like conspiracy theories to me. <laughs> <laughs> I know we're just talking about seeing people's photos on your phone. So you're ideally you're in a safe place. You're in your home. You're you're not out in like an IRL dating scene. But the thing is, when you don't want to be seen by straight men, it feels really violating to have that thrust upon you, Mm -hmm. even in a digital sense. When I think about like when I was working through my sexuality, I would toggle my settings all of the time because, you know, it was nice to be able to curate this version of my life in my head. You know, the one where like a woman's picture would pop up and I would, you know, immediately envision what our life for the next 52 years would look like until we both went the way of the ending of Up. Don't look at me like that. We all do it. No, I was going to say, is that not normal? (laughs) (laughs) It's totally normal, but it was really helpful to be able to just see like woman after woman after woman Mm. to sort of play out that in my head and not, sir, why are you here? At any rate, what I'm saying is what Gigi is describing is very real. And not only that, it has been a known issue for almost as long as dating apps have existed, which sucks. It does. And uh, you don't actually have to take my word for it, though. I would. I know. (laughs) Uh, but I talked to plenty of LGBTQ plus people for this episode who have also experienced the distinct joy that is having a dating app serve you <laughs> profiles of people you've specifically asked not to see. Joy feels like the wrong word. Yeah, well, <laughs> I thought I was doing sarcasm. <laughs> sarcasm. <laughs> I will probably say this about six more times in this episode, but at this point, I do want to strongly emphasize that we're focusing on Gigi's question. We're talking about queer women and non-binary folks who want to date other queer women and non-binary folks. This is a story about a small cross-section of our uh, beloved acronym community. Which is all to say, of course, dating as an LGBTQ person of any identity comes with its own distinct set of challenges and struggles and dangers. And I'm just not going to even pretend to presume to speak to all of those today. All right. So typical disclaimer. Put Retweets aside. are not endorsements. <laughs> of we are, in fact, not every woman. It's not all in us. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> so I put out a call on our Twitter asking You know, if anyone who listens to the show or follows us had experienced this. And thank you to all of the people who uh, slid into my DMs from all over the country, from small towns and big cities and said in uh, just one resounding chorus, yes, this happens to me all the time and I hate it. This makes me think that if you weren't in a long-term partnership, you really could just use this show as a dating Yeah, this is a wasted opportunity. I mean, maybe it's a wasted opportunity for you. Hello, I'm single and I live in New York. (laughs) (laughs) Here's Michelle. She's a lesbian who also lives in New York. Michelle told me she actually asked a dating app why this was happening to her. And their answer was mm, lacking. I think that one of the challenges that I run into is that as a lesbian, there aren't really great dating app options for me. Like there are a couple like queer women specific apps 
like her, which I think is pretty bad. <laughs> and um, the mainstream apps, I tend to run into issues where I'm seeing a ton of, of men's profiles all the time, and that just gets really annoying and discouraging. There was a day on Hinge where I saw 12 men's profiles in a row, and I actually sent in a support ticket about it, and it took them a couple of days to respond. And basically, they said, this wasn't a problem per se, it wasn't a glitch, but that these guys had not entered a gender in their settings at all. So they mm -hmm. were just showing up because there was no way to opt out of seeing them, which is kind of weird. I mean, I know that the dating apps have been adding more gender options, which is awesome and definitely helps in some ways, but it also feels like there are guys who are misusing the system so they can show up for women who wouldn't otherwise see them. A tech platform absolving themselves of any responsibility to their <laughs> users in Pride Month? <laughs> So Michelle mentioned Her, which is a dating app built specifically for queer women and non-binary folks. And to be honest, during my peak dating app era, although I guess I could have another, but my last real... Uh... Okay, let's not, let's not make that. That's no. I'm coming to your wedding. Keep going. <laughs> I could still have another. That's true. Divorce is normal. Keep going. Oh, I, that monogamy is cool. <laughs> also that. <laughs> uh, but I never really bothered using it. I don't remember it working terribly well. And also, I didn't necessarily believe that everyone I wanted to see was going to be on that app. That makes sense. I feel like smaller apps have smaller dating pools. Right. That's the thing. Like, dating apps like a Tinder or a Bumble work because of scale. So, time for the numbers. In 2020, Tinder said that it had 75 million monthly active users and 6.5 million paid subscribers. So, that's people who open up the app every month and are swiping. Oh, my fucking God. Like, I'm on these apps and I'm still shocked. Right. And Bumble quoted uh, 42 million monthly active users in 2021. So, smaller but still large. Yeah. Her says that they have over 10 million users. That's not insubstantial, but it it Tinder's eating her for lunch. <laughs> <laughs> also, it's important to note that they say they have 10 million users, which is vague enough to mean, mm. oh, maybe we have over 10 million people who've made accounts. Are they actually active on there? Unclear, but it makes me think if you're not saying it, that's not true. I also talked to Disha, who lives in Boston, and Disha's immediate response when I asked, you know, what's it like to be queer on dating apps these days? Uh, the answer was shit show. It's about 40 to 50 percent unicorn hunters, um, and they take you out by having a woman uh, in the first few pictures, and then you have to dive really deep into the bio to say, hello, okay, there probably uh, is a man lurking in the background. Maybe he wants to watch or join or whatnot, but it's not fun. Unicorn hunters? Hetero couple looking for a third, usually a bi woman, which mm. is, to be clear, that's great. If you're into it and you're a consenting adult, hell yeah, get naked. But what these couples usually do is set up their profile to identify as a woman, which means I get you and your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, also just the phraseology of unicorn hunter makes me feel like this experience is fetishizing <laughs> in a way that... You don't want to be hunted? No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so Gigi mentioned this was happening to her on Bumble. Does Bumble have anything to say about this? Well, you know I called, and a spokesperson told me that, quote, a team of moderators are constantly working to support our community. There may be occasions where someone unintentionally misrepresents their gender during the onboarding process by assuming they are choosing the gender they would like to see instead of the gender they identify with. When this happens, we encourage our community to report the profile so our team can take action. 
So my secondary theory. I mean, that does seem like something that would happen, but it, it also doesn't strike me as the answer to the question you're asking. Right, exactly. And and in, in speaking with this Bumble rep, we sort of, a place where we uh, butt it heads a little is this idea that Bumble stands by that this isn't a common issue, which to me is complete um, mm, bullshit. Mm-hmm. Again, strikes me as a tech platform not wanting to accept responsibility for a present problem. And I don't think of this as some truly evil homophobic coder. Because no. they're just it, it does it happens on every platform. But why I say I think this is crap is that I actually re-downloaded Bumble this week. And it took me truly five swipes to find a man in my feed. Oh my god. And I just, to be clear, when I say man, I mean someone who had self-identified as such on the app. I'm not out here uh, acting like there's only one way to look or be a gender and you can't tell what a person is. Don't don't try that. That's gross. So these are self-identified men who are in my feed. And I have set my profile to show me only women. I'm a lesbian. If you are a woman... I will date you. If you are a man, I will not date you. <laughs> the end. Says it right there on the tin, baby. <laughs> so did you talk to this self-identified man? I did. I really did. And the way I phrased the questions, because I have set my account settings to show me only women, was like, hi, I'm a journalist. I'm working on a story about dating apps. I'm supposed to be only showed profiles of women. Do you identify as a woman? I was actually pleasantly surprised to learn that none of them, to their own knowledge, were trying to be that creepy, pervy guy I had invented in my head. All the guys I talked to said that they had identified they identified as men and had done so in the app and were searching for women. It's possible that they, you know, made the goof that Bumble is describing. But, uh, yeah, one guy, Patrick, I identify as 100% male. Of course, Patrick said that. But hey, he answered me. He did then follow up with, there's three sides to every story. I asked what that meant. <laughs> What's the third side here? He then wrote, I gather what you're writing is a piece on how women deal with online dating. Maybe you need a male perspective as well. Bitch, we're writing about lesbians. <laughs> Patrick, I assure you, you don't. But actually, you did, in fact, give me one by saying <laughs> you didn't know how you wound up in my feed. So do you believe these men? I actually do, because the guys I was talking to... I'm not going to sleep with them. They want to sleep with women, date women. I'm not going to do any of that. No one's getting what they want from the fact that these platforms aren't functioning how we need them to, including Gigi. So what exactly does this mean for Gigi and for every other person like Gigi out there? Well, unfortunately, it means tech uh, not built for queer people is working exactly as it was designed. <laughs> Confetti balloon. Woo! <laughs> like I said, this is a dating app-wide problem. I heard from people complaining about the same thing on Tinder and on Hinge. One listener told me they recently spotted a, quote, straight man on her, literally identifying as a, quote, cisgender man. And his bio read, I don't have any luck anywhere else, so I'll try here, devil emoji. So that bad straight guy I invented in my head, sorry to the straight man who listened to this show. I'm sure you're not him, but there's at least one out there. I would venture there's more than one. We are, accuracy in journalism, can only confirm one. <laughs> There's only one confirmed bad man out there, and he's doing all the bad man things. <laughs> and look, I generally like Bumble's shtick as an app. I don't actually think this is, like I said, the case of homophobic engineers that embedded at every dating app <laughs> conspiring <laughs> against the gay agenda. I just think it means that these platforms and systems that were built with heterosexuality at their core can't ever actually fully serve queer people. Gigi, I'm sorry. I'm also sorry you have to see straight men. After a quick break, we're going to talk about those other apps, the ones built by queer people for queer people. 
spoiler alert, the conversation isn't about to get much cheerier. Happy Pride! In 2007, TV network CBS dropped 40 kids in the middle of the New Mexico desert as part of a brand new reality show. These kids would have to build their own society from scratch. And if this sounds like Lord of the Flies to you, well, it was meant to. We were on this mission together. We were going to prove to the world that we could make a better society than adults could. I'm Josh Gwynn, and I want to know what this wild TV experiment was really about. Split Screen, Kid Nation, a six-part podcast from CBC. Available now. Hi, this is Dahlia Lithwick, host of Slate's legal podcast, Amicus. If you're listening to this show, you might be interested in Amicus's live show that we're hosting in Washington, D.C. on Tuesday, May the 14th. My colleague, Mark Joseph Stern, and I will be talking to some amazing guests, including Sherilyn Eiffel and a sitting state Supreme Court justice, all about how originalism, a relatively recently invented way of interpreting the Constitution, has taken over the Supreme Court and radically reshaped the law. It's been doctrinal rocket fuel for the conservative legal movement and facilitated the rolling back of abortion rights, the expansion of gun rights, and the obliteration of the separation of church and state. And as another wildly consequential Supreme Court term careers to its end, the court's originalists are on a tear. But there's something you can do about it, and we hope you'll join us in D.C. on May 14th to explore the possible pathways out of the current situation. Go to slate.com slash amicus live for tickets. Hi, y'all. If you love our podcast, which I really hope you do, then please consider subscribing to Slate Plus. It is the best way to support this podcast. This show would not be possible without y'all. You also will get no ads on any Slate podcast, including this one. You'll get bonus segments or episodes on shows like The Incredible New Season of Slow Burn, on Amicus, on Working, and Big Mood Little Mood. You will also get unlimited reading on the Slate website, which means you get access to every single article and advice column on Slate and will never hit the paywall. Just go to slate.com slash ICYMI plus to sign up. That is slate.com slash ICYMI plus. And we're back. We talked a little bit about the kinds of apps that are built for people who aren't cis straight dudes looking for romance or sex or both. And there's another app we have to mention in that category, and that's an app called Lex. Oh, I know this one. Great. So Lex, which is short for Lexicon, started out as an Instagram account where queer folks would post these incredibly specific personal ads. They were so horny and delicious in a way that was just refreshing as a lesbian to see out in the open. Mm. They were just so, so detailed in the sex acts people wanted to perform, the like Mr. Softy cone with very specific like rainbow sprinkles you were going to get after. Like it just, Mm. (laughs) it was fun. And they were written in the style of old newspaper personal ads. So there were no photos. And then you would just go to the comments and people would just be drooling, like losing their minds. (laughs) (laughs) over these ads and I feel like often queer women don't get to be sexual beings in our own terms right it's either like the gross male gazy porn stuff or you bought a U-Haul 
You rented a U-Haul. I guess you could buy one, but that would be next level. You rented a U-Haul. You got two cats, and then till bed death, they both shall live. You're saying women don't get to be sexual beings on their own terms? No. And would you believe that further marginalized women, it's even worse? I cannot imagine. But I will say I heard of this Instagram account, and I really loved it. As someone who hates the way online dating functions, this read to me as one of the more sincere ways that people were actually, like, looking for what they wanted, whether it was partnership, whether it was sex. like It was so sexy. It was so hot. And it was the anonymity. In many ways, dating apps offer a form of anonymity. You don't know if anyone's real name is such. But the actual pure anonymity was so cool to see. And it seemed to work. It did. And so it grew and it grew. And Personals has since left Instagram to become a fully-fledged dating app called Lex. And while I was researching for the show, I actually found a really great piece from queer journalist Mary Emily O'Hara from 2019 about this same issue. So men popping up in lesbians dating app feeds. And at the time, O'Hara was really optimistic about the launch of Lex, this idea that this will be the piece of tech built by queer people for queer people that will give us what we've long needed. I have a feeling that that optimism doesn't hold up, but please tell me it held up. I need something good. (laughs) (laughs) So if you talk to people in the community, Lex has some issues, as you know, what community-based platform doesn't. There are allegations of trans misogyny among users, the idea that it's become a turf haven. There are also people who are upset that the app ultimately allowed cis men to join. Queer cis men, but cis men. I mean, those sound like really real problems. The gatekeeping that's necessary to make a space for Mm -hmm. a marginalized community is inherently really difficult to actually maintain. Precisely. And like you said, those are all really very real problems. But I I actually want to zoom in on a much simpler issue that is the pivot into an app turned this once like very steamy and affirming dating experience into what I can best describe as queer Craigslist. Man! (laughs) Craigslist isn't hot. (laughs) I mean, I've got like some really excellent furniture off of it, but our colleagues over on Outward did a great show in 2021 about the state of Lex about a year after its launch that we'll uh, put in the show notes. And it was kind of grim. I'm not going to lie. They described the app as having become a place where you could find a queer book club before you'd likely find somebody to hook up with. So what is it still like that? That was 2021. We're we're a year later. Yeah, I checked it out this week and I set my location radius very wide and I found just so many other things before I got to a true personal ad. Someone looking for people for a photo shoot, someone looking to borrow card tables for their wedding, someone looking for a salsa instructor. Very specific, very charming, all very rooted in in queerness. But I, again, understand the appeal of using this space like that where, you know, if you want a salsa instructor and you're queer, having a queer salsa instructor makes sense because you don't want to be that intimate with someone who might fetishize you. How ever, this is not a dating app. Like, what? where's the dating? Right. And there just isn't that app. It doesn't exist. So when we talk about gay men, for example, we can talk about Grindr. And here is where, again, I say, this is an episode about a small cross-section of a large community. And Grindr is not a perfect app by any means. But at its core, it does work as it was engineered for many people who use it, seeking sex. Here's Emma talking a little bit about that. I think I've seen a lot more queer women say that they would really like to have at least the option of something more casual that's kind of agreed upon by both people. And it always feels like gay men get everything. So it would be nice to have an app that was like Grindr. But I also think it would be nice if 
it felt like the major apps that already exist, the software was like better tailored to have queer people existing on the app. What Emma says makes sense. I mean, if there's anything being on the dating apps is for as a straight woman, it's at least very easy to find sex. Anything else, God help you. But <laughs> at the very least, you can find somebody. And here's where I'm going to put on my like big empathy hat for everyone, even all of our sweet straight listeners, even though it's still June. Just kidding. I love you all. Truly. Uh, dating sucks. Full stop. Online dating really sucks. <laughs> Thank you for your sympathy in these yeah, trying times. Yeah. <laughs> the men I talked to truly probably were not thrilled to have their time wasted by a lesbian who was never going to date them. But for those guys, I'm one in a zillion fish, you know, whatever, right? There are mechanisms and apps and spaces where straight folks can go to find what they're looking for romantically and sexually versus, you know, for me and Gigi and Michelle and Emma and Disha and all these people I talk to, there just aren't that many options. And when I say there's not that many options for me, I mean, that's a zillion times more true for trans folks and queer people of color. It just it gets increasingly difficult to find that space digitally or IRL to meet someone. Would you like to guess how many lesbian bars there are in the United States? I feel like every year I hear another lesbian bar has closed down, leaving X mini. So I'm going to guess under 25. Uh, Yeah, the number's 21. <clears throat> Three of them are in New York City, which is great for me, the adult who was privileged enough to move to this incredibly queer place and come out of the closet. It's not so great for, um, well, I'll speak about myself again, a 20-year-old living in a tiny-ass town in upstate New York that has a bar called Sandy's Clam Bar, which should be a gay bar but isn't. Wow. <laughs> That's false advertising. Right? Every time I drove past that sign as an adult, I just thought, what a great name for a gay bar. That's fucked. Someone needs to buy that <laughs> clam shack and rename it. <laughs> But that's why the need for apps to work for our community is so critical. Like, I'm genuinely psyched if Lex is functioning as queer Craigslist and it's it's working and connecting people. I just want there to also be Lady Grinder. I want Tinder that's safe for trans people today without risk of bodily harm. I gets on soapbox. Like, to quote my favorite poem, I want a dyke for president. Like, give me these things. <laughs> and they should Rachel, be there. specifically. I will learn how to code and I will make a platform <laughs> and I'm sure no one will care that a straight lady is making a platform like this. <laughs> I think ironically where queer dating apps get set up to fail is that the very best of the LGBTQ community has no interest in the policing. Mm. And that is all that dating apps do. They mm -hmm. sort you into categories like binary, you are X, they are Y, X wants Y, invite me to the wedding. I mean, it is true that communities that are built on inclusion fail at <laughs> exclusion. <laughs> So we get stuck with the apps that we're stuck with, which, to be clear, this isn't me dissuading anybody from using them. They are what we have. But it's just like most things in the world. When you're a queer person or a marginalized person in any way, you learn to operate differently in the world structures around you. Here's Willa Bennett. You know, when I was just coming out and there were so few people in my life that knew I was queer, like dating apps definitely were that thing where it was like I could switch the knob and say I was queer and like talk to queer people without actualizing it yet. And that was so influential in coming out for me. Uh, so I, I do appreciate them, and I think there's value to them. And, you know, if one of my friends are going through a breakup, I'm like, download him. <laughs> What's the worst <laughs> that will happen? 
What's the worst that could happen? Mm. A lot. Mm. A mm. lot. <laughs> okay. In happier news, Willa is a true romantic, though, and she told me that she's certain she's going to meet her next partner in real life. Oh, my God. I love that optimism. <laughs> me, too. And I want that for... Well, it's June. I want that for every queer person. But, you know, Willa and I also talked about how that's just not feasible for every queer person Mm. or safe. And frankly, even if you do have the luxury of having access to those queer spaces, it's getting harder and harder to feel entirely safe in them. Where we are ending or getting near to ending is being back at this idea of existing in a world that is built digitally for heterosexuality and figuring out how to work around that if you want to date online. Queer people are incredibly uh, resilient. I wish we didn't have to be, but this month I think all we can do is celebrate that and the ways in which LGBTQ people use these apps continually, successfully, and figure it out. Also, if you'd like to date Gigi, give a shout. We're turning into a dating app. On today's episode, you heard from Emma, Michelle, Disha, and Willa, and I just wanted to take a second to thank all of them for their time and their thoughts. Um, Special thanks to anybody else who slid into my DMs. Uh, (laughs) You're all wonderful. Happy Pride to all of our listeners in the closet and out. We see you. We love you. All right, that is the show. We'll be back in your feed on Saturday, so please subscribe. It is the best way to never miss an episode, never miss a Madison investigation. Please leave a rating and review on Apple or Spotify. Tell your friends about us. You can follow us on Twitter at ICYMI underscore pod, which is also where you can DM us your questions like, why are there no good lesbian dating apps? We'll try to answer. You can also always drop us a note at ICYMI at slate.com. ICYMI is produced by Daniel Schrader, Rachel Hampton, and me, Madison Malone-Kircher. Alicia Montgomery is Slate's VP of Audio. See you online. Or at a non-existent lesbian bar. Nerminerminer. That's not the kicker. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.